You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Support for this podcast comes from Multivac. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to episode 34 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking meat and poultry processing automation, industry 4.0 style, with Dr. Shai Barbut, professor in the Food Science Department at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. Specializing in primary and further processing of poultry and red meat, Shai's work focuses on factors affecting the quality of fresh and processed meats as well as protein gelation with an emphasis on structure and function relationships. Shai's research is both innovative and novel, and he is known for being adept at interfacing basic and applied research to solve problems and create new solutions to some of the most fundamental questions associated with meat. Among his accomplishments, Shai has led efforts resulting in a new poultry muscle grading scheme based on the meat's functional properties. And he's made valuable contributions to improving pathogen control using bioluminescent E. coli 0157H7 to model food safety in meat products. He is a fellow of the Institute of Food Technologists and a member of other scientific and government organizations, including the American Meat Science Association, which presented Shai with the 2021 Distinguished Research Award at AMSA's Reciprocal Meat Conference in Reno this year. He has published over 250 peer-reviewed research papers and is the author of the open-access textbook, The Science of Poultry and Meat Processing. Shai also works on automation issues in the meat industry, and that's what we're talking about today in this episode. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Shai. I'm happy to have you as a guest on the podcast today, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about your thoughts on Industry 4.0, although I suspect we could talk all day about a number of interesting meat science topics. Thank you for having me, and I'm very excited to talk about it. There's a lot to talk about, it, as you mentioned. Well, let's dive right in. A few years ago, you wrote an in-depth paper for the journal Animal Frontiers. It was called Meat Industry 4.0, A Distant Future, question mark, in which you talked about how the meat industry has experienced a significant transformation over the past century, but even more so in the past 25 years. So can you talk with us a little bit about why advances in automation have accelerated in the last 25 years? And are new drivers like COVID-19 and labor shortages further hastening the industry's adoption of Industry 4.0? Yeah. So there have been obviously multiple factors that contribute to this. I'll start with one of them, but it's not necessarily the most important. And maybe I should say it depends also on the geographic location. So one is that everybody knows now with the COVID, there's a shortage of people coming to work or limiting the space in terms of the social distance also in plants. And you all heard about problems in meat plants shutting down because of the COVID problem. So Obviously, machines, you don't have to keep them six feet apart, and you don't need to vaccinate them. So machines can do a lot of things. Also, people not in the meat industry sometimes don't realize 
But the work is very repetitive and you work in a cold environment. Uh, you work in a cooler because you want the meat not to spoil, the microorganism not to grow. So obviously there have been a big push for automation, for more machinery that can operate by itself. That is automation. So we've seen it all over the world and we've seen it in a much faster rate in countries where labor is expensive. So in Europe, also in the U.S. today, but Europe was ahead of us a few years. Labor is very difficult to get. In a lot of places, I mean, I recently visited, what recently, before the corona, Germany, the Netherlands, France. A lot of the people working there are migrant workers. And that's obviously present a problem in terms of training and consistency, quality control, communication, all those kind of things. So that is one aspect. The other one that I should say is that is the advancements in technology. We are living in a generation that technology is just booming. And I mean, each one of us is walking with a cell phone that has more computer power than the first space shuttle that went to the moon. Much, much more. A factor of a few thousands. And also the cost of those technologies has come down significantly. I recently read an interesting book from Tom Friedman. I don't know how many of you saw it, but thank you for being late. And he made this comparison, which I think it's excellent to understand it. And I also use it for my students. And he says that computer power has significantly increased over the years. So he's starting to talk there about the Moore law, the doubling power of microchips every two years. And over the last 50 years, and it has been working. And if you look at the Intel microprocessor, the first one was in 1974. Today, it's the seventh, eighth generation. It's 3,500 times better performance, 90,000 more energy efficient, and 100,000 times lower cost. So he continues there, which is a good example for me and for my student. He compared it to the car manufacturing, and we were saying that the Volkswagen Beetle, that was one of the, still one of the most mass-produced cars, if it would have the same advancement in terms of the last since 1974, it will travel at 300,000 miles per hour. It will cost four cents the car, and it will run at two million miles per gallon. So obviously, it's a more law. You can't break it for physics, but just to give people the idea, and I think that this is a very good good thing. So now in the meat plants, we bring TV cameras, machinery, machine vision, robots, and the cost is a fraction of the cost that it used to be 25 years ago. So we are there. I mean, in a few years ago, I wrote the article with a question mark. Is it distance future? And I believe that today we are. We'll talk more about it, give some more examples later on. Great. Well, and let's talk a little bit about, as you mentioned, the U.S. It was a little bit behind Europe. And I think uh, people kind of know that in adopting these digital transformation initiatives that has traditionally gone by the term Industry 4.0. So what do you think are the challenges of automation in the primary processing of meat? And how are advances in automated equipment helping to address these challenges? Okay, so I should just mention, in the meat industry, we've seen adaptation much faster in Europe. 
more automation midlands compared to the US. But if we talk about technology in general, like smartphones and all those kind of things, definitely don't underestimate the US power, the North American power. But in terms of the meat industry, in terms of labor, I mean, it was easier to get labor. And again, for various reasons, political, socioeconomical, all those kind of things that I'm not going to get into. But anyways, the challenges, you asked a question about the challenges. So what we're trying to do, we are dealing with animal, we're dealing with some biological specimen that vary. I will give you an example. I mean, let us say, talking about broilers, and I'm bringing up broilers because this is the fastest line speed we can see today in broilers. So for people who don't know, I mean, there are fast plants, the most modern plants that could process 15,000 broilers per hour. That is an amazing number. Like, I mean, and again, like taking back to 1974, for example, where the speed was 3,000. On a single line, I'm talking right now. So what have been the challenges? The challenges is that there is a big variation in the chicken, in the broiler size. So let's say if we talk about, just make it just for a numerical example, just easy. If we have a flock with three pounds birds, and that's the average, I can have their bird which is four pounds, but that was bird that is two pounds. And two versus four, it's 100% different. So if I design equipment to go to this magnitude or just to cover this range, it's very, very difficult. And that has been a big challenge for us. Today, again, I'm coming back to the price reduction of sensors. You look at machines that are doing breast meat deboning in broilers and keeping on to broilers or leg meat deboning. They will measure the size of the bone, either by physical measurement or by using x-ray and or ultrasound. Because the price is so low, we can do it for every bird and still sell the birds. I don't know, like the bone chicken meat now increased quite a lot over past year, but it's still about not more than $2 a pound. So the challenges are to deal with variable supply. Obviously, the genetic companies are also working on it, but the example I gave you with a two versus four pound is still uh, very big. I know I was asking you in that question about the primary processing of meat, but let me ask you sort of a similar question about challenges of automation in further processing of meat. So can you give me a couple examples of automated equipment or systems in a modern meat processing plant that address these challenges? Yeah. So in my previous answer, I didn't talk much about food safety and those kind of things. So that is a very another very important thing for the animal for uh, primary processing because we take a bird or a pig or a cow that are covered with microorganisms, like we're talking about billions, and they also have microorganisms inside in the intestinal tract, and then we're trying to get the meat as sterile as possible. So that's another very important thing. Once we get to processing, assuming that we've done everything right and we have meat which is not very contaminated, but just realize you go to the store, you buy meat, it has microorganisms there, and you know it. I mean, if you leave it, it will spoil, start to smell dead, and all those kind of things. 
but in the further processing industry, we can deal with much more uniform raw materials. So I'll give you an example. You ask for an example, chicken nuggets, for example. In the early 40s, when they invented the first breading machine that was for fish, so everything basically was done by hand, just like you will do it at home. But later on, they started to use machines, you know, I mean, the breading is moving on a belt and you can put it and tap it and just to speed up the process. Today, you can go to a meat processing plant, further processing, and I've seen some lines that can produce like a quarter million chicken nuggets per hour. So you deal with a quarter million chicken nuggets, let's say each one weighs 20, 25 grams, and it's all automated. You don't see any people. Or you might see some quality control people coming and picking up some samples to check. But it's amazing what we are able to do today. But in order to do it, we have electronic viscometers that are checking the batter, you know, so it's not too sticky and not too watery, so it's enough stays on the product. We have air knives and those kind of things. So obviously, in further processing, we can afford to do more automation. If you look at hamburger making patties, you can make stamp out a few hundred patties per minute, and they are all identical. and. And even, uh, let me just say one more thing. You also want the composition that, you know, on your label, it says 25% fat. So you want to be as close to 25% fat as possible. If you're below, it's cost you much more. And if you're above, you will get the fine from the government. So we have x-ray or uh, infrared, near-infrared sensors to determine the exact percentage of fat, and that will be an automated loop and will feed more fat, less fat. So it's an amazing thing to see those things. Our conversation will return in just a moment after a word from our sponsor, Multivac. Multivac is pleased to sponsor the Industry 4.0 podcast. As a leading worldwide provider of packaging and processing solutions, Multivac takes great pride in setting the industry standard for innovation and technology with expertly engineered forward-thinking products. Multivac's new smart services offers customers relevant, convenient, real-time data for monitoring, controlling, and optimizing production networked across locations to facilitate comparison. Smart Services doesn't require a large startup investment and is available with a monthly subscription. To learn more, visit multivac.com or call 800-877-5200. Now back to the podcast. When you were talking about that, I was thinking, yeah, I mean, the whole idea behind Industry 4.0 is about the data, collecting the data, interpreting the data, and then using that data to actually make really informed decisions about your operation. And that would include things like food safety, quality control, right? So what kinds of data-driven automated systems are helping to integrate like animal production and meat processing? And what do you think are the most important benefits or outcomes of achieving that integration? So we see quite a lot, and there are quite a few companies that are working on it. I'll touch very quickly, just very briefly, on farm-type thing, because that's not the main focus of this talk. But, I mean, you can see, let's say, cows, you're feeding cows, they have a collar with a radio, and you can monitor exactly how much they eat, or even just give them feed according to milk production, for example. Or for individual cow, you can talk about milk, 
certain medication, right, for any, every individual pound. So it's an expensive system to install, but later on it really pays off. So that's just an example from the farm. There are robots that go through a barn and monitor, you know, temperature, humidity, ammonia level, all those kind of things. And again, it costs money, but you can catch a problem when it's very small. And I like to use this idea of a cornfield, a huge cornfield, and you have a drone flying over it in the morning and you see a little patch with that needs some pesticides there. And you just use very little chemical, just contain this area, fix it, and that's it, right? So it's the same with a barn. So that's from the live animal. But this information is being transferred. I mean, breeding companies are very, very excited about this because they can also Instead of just using your small sample size, now they're talking about millions of birds or hundreds of thousands of cows and those kind of pigs, fish, whatever. And they move it on to the meat processing plant. Again, more old, I mean, most modern, all modern processing plant will weigh the animal before the live weight, after dressing it, and one of my students was involved in a project like this in Europe, and uh, she has a data set of about 70 million birds. When I was a graduate student, <laughs> if somebody will tell me 70 birds, I say, oh, that's a big experiment. And obviously, she's much better than I am in uh, data management and all those kind of things. And she showed the industry, you know, a difference of about quarter of percent in yield on those chickens, you know, for different treatments. And if you think about it, quarter of percent, ah, it's not a big deal. But if you deal with millions of birds, it's a lot. So how much time they were in the shed, how much water they were losing, how much weight they were losing, all those kind of things. So this information is being also captured. Later on, if we talk about poultry, pigs, beef, you have image analysis of the carcasses, right? And again, it costs money, but if I can make this the selection of birds, for example, and I know just after defeathering, if this bird is going to cut up or to whole bird, I can again gain a lot of money for doing this. In the past, you know, there was an order for, I don't know, 2,000 pounds of chicken breast meat. So you will take the first birds in the lot and just cut them and trim them. But here, I can only take the birds with missing wings, for example, that anyways they will be downgraded. So this information is available. It's also available for the plant manager. I have a picture that is a nice picture, a plant manager walking with a tablet and see all what the machinery is doing, right? The rate, condemnation rate, power supply to the machine, meaning that if something is starting to get stuck in terms of the equipment, it's not working fine. She knows that they have to send a maintenance person there, right? So 25 years ago, this data was collected but was available to the plant manager maybe two weeks later. Today, they have it right there on the spot, and they can make extremely useful decisions. Well, what excites you? What type of automation or Industry 4.0 advances do you think are needed or might be exciting next steps for the industry and why? For me, what is very exciting to see is all the image analysis that companies are coming up with. And you can see today, I've seen a nice demonstration. I've also seen it in a plant in Australia. Just imagine, you know, a 
half beef carcass, six cameras around it, taking a picture, building in a second, you know, a three-dimensional construction of what is done. Then there is a software program that decides what is the best way to cut it. And you think about it, this program is also hooked up to marketing. And today, the ribs worth another 35 cents or something like this. And you can cut it a little bit better and just get a little bit more of the rib cut, right? But when you're dealing in beef production in a facility very fast, one will have 400 animals per hour, that's get a lot of attention. So in the past, I mean, that was only done for space exploration. But today it's came down to us and there are working systems there to do this. And they're also for cut-up. I mentioned before the deboning and whatever. With poultry, one of the things that we got it to work so fast because the animals, the carcasses are fairly small and we can stretch the wing and just bring the wing, the joint to a stationary cell. In the beef industry, because the animals are so big and pork, we need to take an image by x-ray or whatever and just map the bones and then we can cut it. You want to cut it the joint. You don't want to cut the bone and to have a lot of bone dust or fractured bones or whatever. So this information is that we can image it and later on do the processing, we break down the carcass. For me, it's amazing. And I should also say, I mean, it also has to do with a lot of meat science. My training is more in the meat science area, but I do quite a lot of work also on automation. We understand electrical stimulation and how to get the muscle to go down through the rigor mortis faster, those kind of things. But the combination of all those things, and I really have to emphasize it, it's advancements in engineering. I talked about cameras and whatever, but it's also in meat science, veterinary science, nutrition, all those kind of things, food safety. All of a sudden, you see everything comes together. People gather data about all those things. Like, I mean, you can monitor the amount of E. coli in your herd and later on, or salmonella, and decide this flock is salmonella positive or process it at the end of the day, right? But for this, you need rapid tests. I mean, we talk about COVID and rapid tests, but you have a rapid test and you can make the decision in real time. Well, I want to thank you, Shai, for taking the time today to talk to us at Meeting Pod. And listeners, you can download a free copy of Shai's open access textbook, The Science of Poultry and Meat Processing, from poultryandmeatprocessing.com. That's www dot poultry and meat processing dot com. The seven hundred and fifty page fully illustrated book is available in English, Spanish, and Chinese, and it covers a wide range of areas related to the meat processing industry. You'll find more on automation topics such as those we've been talking about today, as well as primary and further processing, protein gelation, use of non meat ingredients, product evaluation, microbiology, HACCP, and byproducts. And please do visit our website at meaningplace.com to access our technical article archives and get more smart manufacturing advice, first published in our Industry 4.0 Connect newsletters. Thanks again, Shai. And again, congratulations on your AMSA Distinguished Research Award. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of research you delve into next. Thank you very much. I enjoyed uh, talking to you, and I hope that the listeners will also enjoy that.
And thank you to Multivac for sponsoring today's podcast. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.